This is No Stop Lights with Ken Ard. Kind of a special edition of our podcast, No Stop Lights. We have um, with us this morning presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy. He's agreed to, um, to call in to the show. Before we go there, I do want to thank our sponsors, Mickey Fins, Marlboro PD Electric Co-op, Schofield's Ace Hardware, Carolina Bank, Pepsi of Florence. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, one of the most interesting candidates in the Republican field. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's Trump's race to lose, no question about it. But I guess a lot of these other candidates are auditioning uh, maybe for a vice presidential role, maybe to kind of an execute or execute an ideology or a perspective that is not being normally espoused in our in our Republican primary. So let's go to one of what I consider to be the most interesting voices in the Republican Party running for president as a Republican candidate, Vivek Ramaswamy. I think the guy that has done the best job at meeting the voters where they are, introducing new ideas, uh, new philosophies, kind of kind of a new belief system of what the Republican Party needs to be is Vivek Ramaswamy. And, I, and I'm not asking for a free T-shirt or a baseball cap. I'm just simply as somewhat of a pundit reporting on what I believe a lot of the Republican voters are looking for and whom I believe has most delivered that is Vivek Ramaswamy. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. Doing well. Thank you for that introduction. And, you know, I'll tell you, I'm passionate about reviving this idea of citizenship in our country. What does it mean to be a citizen? What does it mean to be an American today, to revive our national identity for the next generation of Americans? That's what I think the whole ball game is about. I don't see professional politicians talking about it. That's why I felt some sense of obligation to enter this race as the first millennial, by the way, to ever run for president as a Republican. I view that as my responsibility to reach the next generation of Americans with a vision of national identity that dilutes the poison, the woke agenda to irrelevance. That's what I'm trying to do in this race. But Vivek, historically, candidates have had to meet voters where they are. I think there's a misreading of the voter. I think voters have a burning desire for someone to kind of drag them kicking and screaming to talk about some of these issues in a very different way, controversial issues. I'll give one example, and I want you to explain this. You have advocated for raising the voting age. Explain your position there. Right, and so I'm going to be really honest with you. This, I know, is not a, yet a politically popular idea. Every political advisor told me this is the wrong way to go. I don't care, actually. I think I view it differently. I think that people are hungry for leadership, but I also believe, as Reagan did, in persuasion on the merits. So that's what I'm doing here. So we have a loss of civic pride amongst young Americans. Less than 15% of Gen Z is proud to be American. We had a 25% recruitment deficit in our military last year. I think this is a problem. I think this is a deep problem. So I've studied this issue for a long time. I've written about it in several of my books. I now express my support for a constitutional amendment to the United States that would raise the voting age from 18 to 25, but which would still allow you to vote at 18 if you either do military or first responder service for six months, or, or else, at the very least, pass the same civics test required of any immigrant 
who wants to become a citizen of this country. I will stand by and wait. Why is it a bad idea to ask an 18-year-old to know something about the Constitution that every immigrant already has to know before voting? Or if they don't want to do that, to at least do some basic service to the country. Or if they don't want to do that, at least have a few years as an adult and wait till the age of 25 experiencing this country as an adult. I haven't heard a good response to that. And people forget that we only lowered the voting age in 1971 in the 26th Amendment as part of the military draft. That was the context for this. And so I just take a big step back and say, yes, that's not poll tested. That's not something that, you know, that the, we're arguing about in the so-called partisan cultural wars right now. But when you want to talk about reviving a national identity, reviving what it means to be a citizen, the civic duties associated with being a citizen, young people don't value a country that they just inherit. That much is clear today. They value a country that they have a stake in creating. And I think they're hungering. You said it well. It's not this meet the voter where they are vision. That's not the way I, that's not the way I operate as a leader. I think we need to lead people where we're going to go. I'm not running from something. A lot of people say I'm anti-woke and a culture warrior. I've criticized woke culture. That's all true. But I'm not just running from something. I want us to run to something as a nation, a vision of what it means to be American. Last president to do that, I think, so effectively was Ronald Reagan. I think we can do it, too. We can go further with our own America First agenda but also unite the country in the process if we're doing it based on principles with moral authority without apologizing for it. But then you don't need my endorsement, but, but the endorsement I would give is I have for a long time felt that Donald Trump was the political wrecking ball. I mean, he was the middle finger to the man, so to speak. But somebody at some point in time had to provide some intellectual underpinning to the America First movement. It is very intellectual in nature. You talk about civic pride and patriotism and an understanding of the concept of, of America. I don't want to say, is that what you're trying to do? But, but do you agree that America First has to grow up and mature and have some degree of intellectual underpinning? And is that what you're trying to provide? You know what? I don't mind you saying it. That is exactly what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to take the America First agenda to the next level even further than Trump did. And I say this as somebody who supported Trump in the last election, right? But I want to take it even further than Trump did by connecting it to first principles, not just vengeance and grievance. I think we get more done with our agenda. And I think that's part of the reason why I'm taking on issues, even that Trump wasn't able to take on, ending affirmative action. That's something a president can do by executive order because it was created by executive order. I'm not talking about just reforming the Department of Education by putting a nice enough person, Betsy DeVos, on top of it. I'm talking about shutting it down, which I've actually committed to do. I think that I'm not just going to hear, hear me talk about building some wall. I have committed to using our own military to secure our own southern border, have studied the law on this, and understand why we're on legal and ethical footing to do that. So, yes, I think by connecting the America First agenda to a principled footing, a solid foundational intellectual understanding. It's not just as an academic exercise. It's because I think that allows us to get more done with the agenda, as Reagan did in the 80s. So I intend to do if I'm elected as president starting in 2024. And then I think we actually not only go further with the agenda, 
But we also unite the country in the process. I'm going to the south side of Chicago. Okay, I don't know if people know what that is. Uh, that's not a place that Republican politicians go. It's not a place where, honestly, I would advise most people to go if they weren't if they weren't going in a very careful and prepared context. It's a very poor area, regularly a lot of shootings, nearly all black community, struggling in Chicago. But they're going through a struggle right now where a bunch of people who have crossed the southern border illegally are now being stationed and encamped there. And when I hear protesters in that community this last week saying why they believe that's wrong, it sounds to me like the America First movement, a belief in the rule of law. Why are these illegals coming here and being encamped in our community? And I don't care if they're mostly Democrat. I don't care if it's mostly an inner city that Republicans aren't supposed to touch. I'm going to the south side of Chicago, and I'm talking about the importance of the rule of law, including, by the way, in fighting violent crime, but also in stopping illegal immigrants from encamping there and crossing our southern border. I think they're going to come along with us in the America First movement. I think some of them are. Many Republicans haven't shown up, but I, but I go back to that point is when you tie it to first principles and moral authority, nobody's going to stop us. I think that's what it's going to take to deliver a landslide election in 2024, as Ronald Reagan did in this country in 1980. Vivek, former President Barack Obama was asked yesterday what keeps him up at night. He doesn't have the burden of Ukraine, Russia, doesn't have the burden of China, Taiwan. But he answered in a very interesting way when he said the proliferation of alternative media. In other words, the three networks were controlled by, you know, the liberals. And and now we've got Twitter. We've got conservative talk radio. We've got um, Fox News. What do you make of the president, the former president, suggesting that one of the biggest threats to American democracy and that's a bit of a paraphrase, but one of the biggest threats is the proliferation of alternative media. I would argue it is the liberating of the, the human spirit and the, uh, you know, the, the, the Republican voice, so to speak. But your take on that? Well, look, I think that I don't know what he means by that exactly. What it, just so I get this right, so I'm responding to it because I didn't see this. What did Obama say was the biggest threat? The, pro- follow the, the, the proliferation of alternative media. I guess um, conservative radio shows like mine. Oh, he um, said that was the biggest threat. Correct. Sorry, that's what I'm still trying to understand. Correct. Because <laughs> I, I, I thought, I was like, you know, the liberation of alternative media. Let's talk about individuals being able to get information through the Internet. I would think of that as a good thing, not as a threat. So, um, so I strongly disagree with him, but I think that he voices a perspective that's common in this country that no longer, we don't have a liberal movement in America that, as it used to, believes in free speech anymore. I mean, think about the people who used to be protesting on Berkeley's campus, arguing for, you know what, I disagree with you, but I defend to the right, defend to the death your right to say it. That's not what a liberal looks like in America today. A liberal in America looks like today is saying that if I can't beat you through free speech and open debate, I will suppress you, and that free speech is an antiquated value. Well, I think this is an opportunity for the conservative movement to say that, you know what, we're the hippies of today, right? We're the, we're the ones who are heterodox. We're like the equivalent of those students on Berkeley's campus in the 1960s and 70s, saying that we're the ones who believe in true free speech and open debate and let the so-called Democrat Party today be the party of suppression. It's funny how the, the shoe fits the other foot. So be it. That's why I don't pay attention to partisan labels. I pay attention to first principles. And I think Obama now, I think, has revealed himself to be part of a broader movement in this country that's part of the anti-speech, anti-dialogue movement of our political discourse. So be it. 
That's why I think we in our movement have to be even better than that, which is why I go on Chuck Todd's show on NBC or Don Lemon's show or why I go to college campuses across the country or why we're going to the south side of Chicago for an event, a series of events on Friday, is that we have to practice what we preach. So, you know what, the other side, I could point out endless hypocrisy. But again, I got to say, we're not just running from something, we're running to something. We have to stand on principles of our own. We have to practice what we preach. We have to level up. There are other Republican candidates that say they won't talk to NBC News if they're not nice to them. I understand why. It's not fair. They don't treat you fairly. But we have to be better than that if we're actually going to lead this country. And if I'm going to ask the citizens of this nation to allow me to sit across the table from Xi Jinping, then I better darn well be willing to sit across the table from NBC News or a college student. And so I think that's how we win is by actually sticking to our principles and walking the walk when it comes to it. Last question. You um, you uh, mentioned or, or made as part of your um, response to the Durham report the abolishment of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. I have done as good a job as I can of encapsulating the executive summary, the 306-page um, document. In essence, um, the Clinton campaign attempted to rig an election and uh, were, were, were willing to engage the FBI, and the FBI became complicit in an attempt to rig a presidential um, campaign. Do you stand by your comments that abolishment of the FBI is, is something you would like to see happen? Absolutely. I mean, this was, and just to be, this was not just in response to the Durham report. I've been saying this for a long time. I said this since we rolled out this presidential campaign, but that just reemphasized my reason for doing it, right? When you have a bureaucracy that runs that deep, that's so rotten, you cannot reform it top down. The right answer is you have to shut it down. And it's not nearly as extreme as it sounds. At the local level, we have police and we have local prosecutors. At the federal level, we have U.S. Marshals and the Department of Justice. But when you have a bureaucratic rot that sits in between, that's a formula. It's a cesspool for corruption. And so this is not an unfamiliar idea. It's still J. Edgar Hoover's FBI. It is still the J. Edgar Hoover FBI that people walk into in Washington, D.C. for work every day by the tens of thousands. This is the same FBI that weaponized its police power against Martin Luther King. Now the Durham report says they did the same thing against Donald Trump. This goes beyond partisanship. We should not have a – really, they tried to stage a bureaucratic coup. That's really what this was about, and I think that should be the final straw that breaks this camel's back and teaches every American that whether you're left or right, we've got to go back to being ruled by the will of the people, not by the will of an administrative police state. So thank you for having me. I, I appreciate it. You know, I'm going to be in South Carolina. I'm going to be in Columbia on Saturday for the state convention. And, uh, you know, folks around in Columbia uh, come by and say hello. I, I, it's my fourth trip maybe already in a short time to South Carolina. <laughs> and we're going to be coming a lot longer, too. And, and it's a state where, you know, frankly, as part of this process, um, you know, we're, we're planning to compete and, and hope to do a good job. So I appreciate everybody coming out and hearing the message and, most importantly, doing this for our country well we appreciate your time good luck we'll see you on the trail thank you i appreciate it vivek ramaswamy republican candidate for president of the united states and i'll tell you there's a little novelty here i mean there's no doubt about it he's not a top tier candidate he's never held public office before but he is without question the most interesting person I mean, he's not the most interesting man in the world. That's no thing. But he's the most interesting Republican candidate 
for president. And second, as we like to say in the country, ain't close. And if you think about it, we teed it up by saying one of the most interesting voices in the Republican Party, that there there's a uniqueness here. And I go back to something that I've said. It's kind of interesting that Vivek uh, would say something that I've kind of talked a little bit about over the past, um, and I've tried to use somewhat of an illustration, um, being a kind of a singer-songwriter aficionado, if you will. Um, I have a special place in my heart for, uh, you know, the Bob Dylans, the John Prines, the Bruce Springsteens of the world. And when you think of, uh, when you think of counterculturalist, and you were born in 1963, you think of the hippies. You think of the kind of the liberal mindset. I don't trust the government. I don't trust corporate America. I don't trust the institutions that historically we've been conditioned to have faith and trust in. And there's been kind of a paradigm shift. I mean, there's been an, kind of an evolution of that mindset. And, you know, I don't know how many Republican primary voters are willing to dance naked on the hood of a VW um, in the mud at Woodstock listening to Bob Dylan sing uh, Mr. Tambourine Man. But in essence, that's kind of um, where we are. The left has bought in. I mean, I, I could easily say, for provocative sake, uh, the left sold out. You know, they um, they gained power over the media. It became somewhat of a monolith for the, the, the leftist worldview. They gained control of the um the administrative agencies within our federal government, and they kind of monopolized that. It became, and this goes Curtis Yarvin and Peter Thiel at the cathedral, this huge monolith moving as one. Very little conservatism espoused in those circles. Uh, the boardrooms of major American corporations, um, you know, we got ESG and DEI and all these other um, sorts of things. And I think Vivek uh, embodies a lot of that. Are Republicans willing to, at this moment in time, be uniquely different from what they've historically been? Because I don't believe we can bring the voters where we are. And I think Vivek has basically agreed to go meet the voters where they are. And I think anybody with an R beside their name that says something unique and interesting and different will be given an opportunity to win over that support. I said it during the interview. I'll say it again. If you're waiting on Chris Christie to say something unique or different, you'll, you'll wait your life away. Asia Hutchinson, um, Nikki Haley, with all due respect, they're, they're going to, for the majority, say exactly what you would expect Republican candidates for president to say. I think to grow the base, to engage a more diverse and younger audience, it's going to take somebody like uh, Vivek, Ramas or Vivek Ramaswamy uh, maybe, maybe he's the most likely person to be, uh, you know, the vice presidential running mate of uh, President Trump. But I do believe he has liberated the Republican Party into believing some of these things that were forbidden and taboo or now um, more more reasonable and readily accepted. I want to thank our sponsors. Carolina Bank serves communities throughout northeastern South Carolina, offering a wide range of services to meet every personal or business need from straightforward accounts to complex finances. They're prepared to help you reach your financial goals. Carolina Bank, banking on tradition since 1936. Member FDIC Schofields, Ace Hardware, your one-stop shop for all hardware, paint and lawn and garden needs, plus all things sporting goods, including firearms, safes, clothing, footwear, and more. Pepsi of Florence represent the entire product line of PepsiCo, one of the world's leading food and beverage companies, Pepsi of Florence, 
Also serve brands from other great companies such as Dr. Pepper, Canada Dry, Lipton Tea, Gatorade, and various regional brands. Mickey Finn's largest South Carolina liquor wholesaler, serving every county in the state, largest bourbon selection statewide. They ship wines to 43 states, opening soon a new beverage warehouse across from Bucky's on I-95 in Florence. They support USC athletics, including Williams Bryce and Colonial Life Arena. Marlboro PD Electric Co-op, if you're in big business and looking for an industrial park in the south to build your new plant, consider Marlboro PD Electric Co-op's new PD Commerce Center. Uh, an industrial park located at the I-95 exit in Florence, South Carolina. Check it out at MPDC Co-op or PDEC.com. 